Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic interview. As people know from time to time, we ask experts who can then fill in the gaps where our research and reading has only been able to take us so far. And this week was Michelin Stars, and we're super excited to have somebody join us today. Yeah, properly excited this week. So this week, uh, joining us for our topic expert interview is someone you might have seen on MasterChef, Great British Menu, or even Saturday Kitchen. Um, he's the owner of the Leeds restaurant, the man behind the curtain, and perhaps more importantly for us, he's the owner of his very own Michelin star. It is our pleasure today to welcome to the pod, Michael O'Hare. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sorry for um, messing you about. I know I was due on like two days ago, but... Um, I have a memory that's not so great these days. <laughs> no worries at all. That's absolutely fine. Um, just so um, so the listeners know, so we, we've covered Michelin stars, as everyone knows, this week. And our research and reading can only take us so far. So what we like to do is then get a topic expert on, ask them a few particular questions that we've not been able to answer, just given the, the real life experience that, that Michael has got, obviously having a Michelin star. So should we get on with it, Liam? Yeah, let's, um, so I guess the first question we always ask our experts is, um, uh, how did you become a chef? What, what, can you tell us your journey? Like, how did you end up where you are? Yeah, it's, um, it's quite an easy one, really. So I was, um, I was obviously not a chef. It wasn't anything I'd ever planned. Um, and I went away to university. I was studying aerospace and uh, at Kingston. And I think without realising it, I'd always been like kind of a bit of a mummy's boy. And... Um, <laughs> I'm like an only child. I'd always had like meals cooked for me, not elaborate meals or anything, you know, but I'd never really had to lift a finger at home. Um, and it wasn't until I went away to university that I was like, oh, I've got to cook for myself now, which is fine. It wasn't something I found difficult, but it was something that I found more enjoyable than studying. Okay. Um, so that, that's how I got into it. A friend of mine was a chef at the time. He had um, like a Renault Clio and a girlfriend. And I just thought that, that seems so much better than... Um, <laughs> than <laughs> <laughs> than, yes, a bag of, than a bag of weed and a, a load of assignments that they do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so I, I contacted like a local restaurant that wasn't a Michelin star restaurant, but um, local to Middlesbrough, I guess, just to say, you know, um, can I, how do I do it? What do I go about? And they said, oh, you know, the, the, the quickest route or the normal route is to go to college. But like, like going to catering college when you're coming out of university isn't, the normal route <laughs> like okay. I don't mean any disrespect to catering colleges but obviously you don't need any formal education mm-hmm. to um yeah. to to be in them so yeah so I just ended up working um in the restaurant he offered me a job that Christmas um to like just start in the restaurant and start from scratch and then I just did it from there just working in different places when I got kind of tired or felt like I needed to move on go and work somewhere else and I've had a few um ups and downs with it um yeah so that's it sorry i give you a really boring version but essentially i just started working in kitchens and restaurants and it's the easiest way i find and i'd 100 percent recommend it to anyone to do it that way rather nice. than college that sounds yeah. good and just for our, our listeners just so they they have some idea can you just in a nutshell just tell us a little bit about your restaurant the man behind the curtain yeah sure man um so the man behind the curtain has been open seven years in june um, which is insane. It's um, a tasting menu only. So I think we're on like kind of 15 courses for dinner, to, uh, nine for lunch. 
Yeah. So there's no choice in it. There's no real changes on the menu um, other than pescatarian, but we don't really cater for anything else. You know, so I don't like this, I don't like that. There's never yeah. been anything I've entertained. Just because I, I think it's important to cook food that you believe in. And if you're changing from those beliefs because of other people's beliefs, then it's it becomes a false restaurant. Yeah. Um, I like so that. It's not, it's not the it's not the it's not difficult to make a, a vegetarian tasting menu. It's not particularly expensive to do it. You know, I could make vegetarian tasting menus and make a lot more money than the amount of money I spend on like meat and fish. Yeah. Um, but it's not where I want to be, it's not what I want to do, and it's not what I believe in completely. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense to do it. Yeah, um makes sense. Yeah, so taste menu only. We're um it's quite I think it'd be okay to say like an avant-garde restaurant. We're pretty modern, um, yeah. kind of um, idiosyncratic and I guess style forward, um, and and young. I think it's it's quite a young place to be. No, it looks pretty cool from the from the pictures and, and what have you. Unfortunately, neither Liam or I have made it there yet, so we'll we'll try we'll try and come up and try the taster menu at some point. But we'll we'll share I, a couple. I like of- I like the sound of sex wax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's quite nice. That's um, so that's um, you know, based on uh, Mr. Zuck's sex wax. Yep. Um, like the surf wax, it's it's about those things. You know, um, some things that you smell that aren't real, like false smells, like the smell of fake cherry is so much better than the smell of a real cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, cherry sweets smell better than cherries. Um, or cherry cola smells better than like nice fresh cherries <laughs> and sex wax is one of those things that I think it's like oh my god I wish I could eat that but it's just a ball of wax it <laughs> smells that good I want to put it in my teeth but you know how disgusting that's going to be um yes yeah, so, a bit like shower gel a bit like what sorry shower gel you know if you've got a nice smelling shower gel quite often I want to I wonder if it tastes as nice as it smells yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, it doesn't so with with that one it was on those things like oh it'd be cool if you could actually eat these things you know they're nice um anyway i i digress uh so one question we wondered was how do you find out that you're going to be awarded a michelin star do they text you or call you or does someone turn up and give you grand unveiling they don't text you man it's not lol (laughs) so um, so it's it seems to be changing i mean this year's obviously a massive exception um so i don't know how it'll be going forward but when i found out it was it used to be that just the book was printed once a year and you'd find out what was in the book and if you got one or not that was it wow okay um i found out a day early um a friend of mine who has another restaurant in yorkshire had um, creeped into Waterstones the day before they released. <laughs> and um, he said he deliberately found, like, the youngest kid working there, like, the <laughs> dumbest he could find. <laughs> and he said, oh, hi, I'm, not, I'm from the sticks. Um, there's a book. It's supposed to be released at, tomorrow, but um, I'm only in town today. You couldn't grab us a copy, could you, if you've got it yet? It's like a red one, a food guide or something. Michelin? <laughs> he said, oh, go and have a look. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I've got some. Would you like one? He said, oh, here, yeah, grab us too, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he, like, kind of... He found out all the um, all the details um, a day before, and he rang me, um, and I ignored the call actually because I was like I was having a wine tasting at the time, and um, then got a text message saying like Have you seen the guide? 
So I rang him back and he thought, he said, oh, I thought that would get your attention. Um, you got a star. <laughs> and it was perfect. Like we had uh, this lady in from uh, of a Vermouth um, place in Spain, just smashing us with booze and Kruger in. So it was like, it was ideal timing. But yeah, six uh, years ago now. Man. Amazing. And so you did sort of find out by text. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did. Oh my God, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I apologise. Yeah, but not not from them directly. Not officially, I think they've always been kind of like yeah. No, and how did it feel then? So obviously, you said you were in part part of a wine tasting, but how did it feel for you then, having been awarded a Michelin star? I'd say it's a massive feeling of relief, mm-hmm. um, and and it's definitely relief because it's. It's not something that was particularly like people say they're going for. It wasn't something like that. It was just obviously you want to be the best you can be. And um, sometimes you get a star by doing that and sometimes you don't. But it's like, I don't know, I'm from like a, I'm from Middlesbrough. I'm a, a working class guy. Um, and the day got a Michelin star, I think, well, that's it. Now, providing like I don't upset too many people, I'll never have a crap job again. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, it makes your bottom line a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I got it in the first year of the restaurant opening and financially that's obviously quite a risk um, having a restaurant. But then to get a star and you think, well, if this all fails, I've still got a baseline salary that I can command from any hotel, you know, um, which is like personally like a huge relief. Um, super prestigious. Yeah. And to get it so quickly as well. Yeah, exactly. And without kind of like... I'm going to say without meaning to, as in it's never, some people it's like their life dream to get one, two, three stars. And that dream starts at like 16, 17 years old. And it wasn't like that for me at all. Okay. Uh, I was aware of it because I've always worked in one or two star kitchens, but I've also like had a life outside of that. That's meant that my dreams very much evolved around like, you know, what's the best life I could have? What's the happiest I could be? What's the most fun I could have? Yeah. Um, And then I kind of ended up getting my own restaurant and, and then it just fell on my lap and I was like, oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's actually what was going to be my next question. So you've actually, I was going to ask you whether you were trying to work for it or not, but obviously not necessarily. Did you have to no. pay for the plaque? When, when you know you get a plaque, do you have to pay for it? No. Do they just, because like I saw, I happened to see, we did this episode and then I was in Ilfracombe and I happened to walk past a Michelin starred restaurant, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And they got those little red plaques outside. Do you have one of those? And do they send it yeah, to you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do, but it's it's not outside though. The the thing is with those is you get one of those red plaques if you're in the guide. Okay. And it's quite deceiving, I think. I think this is where they go wrong. In the you get one of those plaques and it's got a tiny little star in it if you've got a Michelin star, or it's got a plate on it, which is a very similar shape to the star. Yes. If you haven't got a star. <laughs> Or it's got two little stars on or three little stars, but um, you walk in past, that could have been a Michelin star restaurant. It could have been a two star restaurant. Well, it definitely wasn't two or a three star, but it more than likely was just in the Michelin guide. Yeah, okay. um, a big gourmand But it's as deceiving well. because then obviously from their perspective, they want to get as much advertising out as possible. Yeah. But the reality is that's probably not a starred restaurant. I, I thought that. Because I thought, why would there be one in Ilfracombe? I was like, this just yeah, seems a strange place to have one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not. I don't want to get into trouble from anyone who's got a Michelin star in Ilfracombe, <laughs> but um, but it's it's you get the same plate, is what I'm trying to say. If yes. um, you know, 
we were also reading about the inspectors and how you know they're, they're supposed to be like comparable to CIA agents where you don't know who they are and when they come in and we were just reading about some of the, the gaffes that some of them make in terms of booking under their with a mobile and that mobile then moving back to confirm their booking goes to the Michelin headquarters type thing. But um, so did you have any idea like when the inspectors are in your restaurant? Do you know when you've got somebody in who's, you know, are there any tells that you can you can see when somebody's in who you think might be judging you from a Michelin point of view? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, there used to be years ago, um, and this is just my experience, but it used to be that the second you had a table on one side in your restaurant, you'd be suspicious. Yeah. Um, but now, because you have to have multiple inspections a year, if you're inspected by two inspectors at once, that's two inspections. Okay. Okay. Even though it's one event. So I think I'm right in saying that if um, us three were inspectors and we went for dinner somewhere as a table of three, that would qualify as the three inspections that that place has had for the year. Uh, right. Okay. Oh, wow. So, so it can be in multiples, and the the higher up kind of Michelin echelons you get, the more multiple inspections you'll get. Mm -hmm. So now, I mean, we get we're quite a good restaurant for single diners anywhere. Okay. In the terms that there's like, there's quite a lot of space. You don't feel like you stood in the middle of a restaurant on your own. You have to read a book. You know. It's, <laughs> uh, so we, I mean, we do a little bit of research into who's coming in. But it almost doesn't matter anymore. You know, our main thing is like, what's the occasion and um, and things like that, rather than um, could they potentially be inspecting us? Because to be honest, once they're at your table, what are you going to do? Like, oh shit, it's an inspector. Cook nice food now. <laughs> like we weren't deliberately cooking crap food for anyone else. You know, so it's, um, it's a strange thing to worry about, I think. Obviously, you don't... I, I guess the thing is that we serve 32 people a night, so like 250 people a week. And um, and there will obviously be mistakes. There's mistakes everywhere. And you just don't want any mistakes to happen on those tables. But yeah, um, yeah that that's it, really. Uh, I, I said to Ollie, so because I teach, it's a bit like Ofsted coming in to watch us. Like if Ofsted turned up, all the lessons would suddenly be different. Whereas yeah. like you're saying you just try and make it the same all the time because surely you should just be good all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's I guess the difference between teaching is it's teaching the same lesson every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, the, not the same subject, the same thing. Yeah. So you get like, I don't know, what subject do you teach? I teach maths. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, if you're just doing like um, calculus every day, yeah, like you soon get pretty good at the delivery of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as but they don't ask me anything else. But you could also get quite boring with it and quite robotic mm -hmm. because the people that are learning that each day are new, as in the guests are new, but the people teaching it or cooking it are the same. And that's like, that's a big danger, I guess, is that you end up doing the same thing because you've got standards to keep up. So you get better at that same thing. But if you don't watch it carefully, it can become quite monotonous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if they'd have come in and judge you, they, they'd have just had your whole taster meal. They wouldn't have had like one particular dish on which they judged you. They, In your restaurant, you, ha you have to have all nine courses or all 14 courses in one Yeah, day. there's no choice. It's just, it's just um, you know, like a, a three-course meal. We just extend it, that's all. Um, mm -hmm. So there's no there's no choice in it. But with the, the same thing, it's like the more courses you do, the more risk it is as a chef. Um, yeah. Um, 
because you can have a duff one. You know, yeah. if if, um, if you've got 13 courses that are all at three-star level, but one that's, like, super ropey, you're probably going to lose the star. <laughs> you know, yeah. you lose the one-star rather than getting three. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Uh, yeah, because we're reading about it's it's consistency as well, isn't it? It's the consistency about the delivery as well, which is one of the things that they, they judge you on. Yeah, um, consistency. I mean... What they say they judge you on and what they actually judge you on is going to be completely different things, in my opinion. And I guess everyone's different, but consistency is obviously important to a degree if you're consistently bad. (laughs) So holding a Michelin star is obviously helps a restaurant in terms of bookings, we read. And just wondered if that was something that you then experienced? Oh, massively. I I think it's dependent upon location. Right. The... The danger, I guess, with kind of, there's no such thing as Michelin star food, but cooking at that kind of level is an expensive way to do it. Like as a, as a restaurateur, that's an expensive thing to do. Your produce is ridiculously expensive. Um, and there's definitely much more efficient ways of cooking. Um, so I think I'd argue that you can't get a better value meal than eating at a Michelin star restaurant. You know, if we if everyone had to put the the profit margins on the menu, you'd always yeah. eat at top end. Um, yeah, um, I'm so sorry. I've totally forgot the question. Just saying about did you did you find that your bookings or then your demand? Oh yes, like, yes. Went, so the, went the, bookings, the, the bookings went through the roof. I mean, it timed well for me because I had like a a, a first TV appearance at the same time, and then Michelin the week after, and then another TV appearance. So we filled the restaurant for a year. Wow, a solid year. Yeah. Do you find the clientele change at all? Like, as well as bookings, do you find you get different sorts of people coming in? Yeah, the, the clientele does change a little bit, but not, not overly because it just becomes word of mouth. So it's just you talked about more. Um, there's definitely, I think, people that, that go out and spend a lot of money on wine are hugely attracted by the Michelin star. Okay. Um, which is, you know, which is great. For, for us as a business because you need that kind of spend to survive um, and I don't think without a star we'd be able to command the prices that we do for either food or wine in fact I know we couldn't yeah but the, wow. the clients are more demanding did they seem more demanding once you'd got the star did they have higher expectations I imagine so yeah definitely but then it's hard to tell because I, I've never wanted to be like a kind of locals restaurant not against Leeds but I've always wanted to be the kind of place that you go, like bucket list, you know, destination. Yeah. You need to go once, maybe twice in your life. That's it. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to, their expectations are entirely on them no, <laughs> at yeah, that but... point when you first get the star. Um, now, once you're established, I can control people's expectations completely. Mm-hmm. You know, if I yeah. have um, a social media feed filled with filters and lies and, you know, abstract photography, and then people come and they're like, well, it's not like this at all. Yes. Um then then your expectations can be like shattered a little bit. But I think everything in terms of the restaurant as a brand is pretty linear. It's quite clear. There'd be no real surprises. Yep. I don't think, knowing now, but when we first opened, it was like, oh my God, it's on top of a clothes shop. But you know, you could get that, I guess. Um, as it seems so long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I've got one more question. This is just my last question. One of the more interesting things that we found out was that with the growing... Um, influence of social media and Instagram and influencers and stuff perhaps Michelin stars aren't quite so important to a restaurant whereas having likes and followers and things like that is 
Is that something that you found or are concerned about or or not? I guess like trip um, advisor and stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, this is all, it's all dependent on the clientele, I guess. Now, for me personally, and like, I don't want to upset anyone by saying this, <laughs> I think, um, obviously, if you, if the three of us were to write down a list of our favorite restaurants, they wouldn't be in parallel. Like, mm-hmm. so, so Michelin's view of the best restaurants isn't equal to my view of the best restaurants. Therefore, it's natural that I'm going to respect my own choices over theirs. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and that's not just my restaurant. I mean, discounting my other restaurants in the country, I, I see um, a real difference in my taste, the taste of my peers, and their taste as a company, mm-hmm. um, which I think if it didn't exist, because it does kind of make it a little bit, of a sport, albeit a sanitized sport, it's now a competition yep. because yeah. it exists. Um, if it didn't exist, I think, if it had never existed, sorry, then I think restaurants would probably be better for it, if I'm yeah. honest, because then you're not you're judging it on your own experience. So, like, if you come and you love it, and you tell someone that you know will love it, yes, yeah, then that's a much better recommendation because you're of a similar mindset, similar demographic, similar taste exactly. than giving something a blanket. This is a really good thing. And if imagine if you did that with music, well, then that becomes the pop charts and that's completely different to where, where I'm at in terms of my taste in music. You know, yes. I wouldn't, yeah. there's not many people's recommendations on music I would take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The same thing's got to be said for food. Surely it's very difficult to say, right, this is the best song of 2021. What? Yeah. No, it's not. Why don't, why don't we just listen to the Beatles? Like, it, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's very difficult. I think that the social media thing is huge. The influencer, not so much, because I think that to the point, to a point, it's trash. Um, mm-hmm. And Michelin, in fairness, is a, a lot more high class than like, somebody putting their opinions on you like you know an influencer or anything um but the the best marketing tool in the world is the mobile phone you go for a meal you like it you take a photo of it all your friends see it some of your friends have a shared interest they book it Yeah. yeah and and you can't beat that that's so much stronger than any guidebook so much stronger than any influencer because it's permanent or at least you know semi permanent yeah no, that, that makes sense. And then holding a Michelin star, then do you, it seems like it comes with some pressure. Do you, do you feel any pressure with holding a Michelin star to maintain it? No, no, I don't. I, I, I feel, um, I feel pressure on not achieving a second, if I'm honest. That's the biggest pressure. Okay. Because I think you then, um, you know, we got a Michelin star in our first year, just six years ago. And pretty much every day or at least every week since then we've been making steps or I've been making steps to improve upon that okay but we're yeah. still at the same level still at the same level six years down the line and then I look at other other restaurants even at a three-star level in the country some of them I just think oh come off it no <laughs> way there's no way absolutely no way or I look at a one-star and I think there's no way we can be equal to that we're so much better and I know that sounds arrogant because I know we're not the best restaurant in the world, in the country. I know we're not the, the best tasting, but I know my own worth. I know the restaurant's worth. Yep. And I think the second that 
someone else has two Michelin stars or three Michelin stars and you only have one, it kind of devalues that one a little bit because that's one out of three stars. Mm-hmm. It's not like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you haven't got one, getting a Michelin star is like, oh my God, you got a Michelin star. You can wear that around your chest and yes. that's amazing. When you've had it for a little while, it becomes like, oh, you've only got one, one out of three stars. <laughs> like if that, was a, if that was a hygiene rating, you'd be closed down. Like, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I think after a while, um, you know, there's something you've said for retaining it, obviously, but sounds a little bit like treading water retaining a Michelin star, doesn't it? It's not that exciting. So is there something um, that you think you're working on that will then push it to two star, three star? I hope so. I mean, I've been doing it for the last five years, but, um, you know, we put more and more into the experience, more and more into the food, the technique, the product and the, the whole kind of experience. Um, I mean, my latest thing is I've got a radio station going into it. So it's going to appear like a live radio show specifically for that restaurant, um, specifically to that day. Oh, wow. Um, and specific to that time. So we'll have news on the hour. We'll have this, that, and the other, that wow. everything relative to the man behind the curtain um, and only on that day that week, which is like a difficult task. Um, but hopefully next week that should be, um, I'm going to use the word launching. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we'll go as far as we can with food, but design as a whole, I find, moves a lot faster than technique. You know, we're still cooking on open fire. <laughs> the best restaurant in the country is still cooking an open fire which is like the tool of a caveman but design is changing annually you know and fashion and trends and styles so it's a it's a much faster current yes yeah, so, i mean we're not we're not doing anything specifically with the goal to having a two michelin style restaurant we're doing things with the goal of like how can this be even better what does this look like amazing what does that look like amazing you know um one yeah. toilet roll holder defines me as a person. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Super, super detailed. Yeah, exactly. What's the best song that could be played in the male's toilets? Do we need a different playlist for the male's toilets than the women's toilets? Um, and we do. And how do, how do we do that? Um, what smells for the gents? What smells for the ladies? What flowers should be in, you know? That's so uh, funny because we were, we were reading about how... A- supposedly you're judged on just food, but it is much more that experience as well that needs to go into it. Then. Well, I, th- I think there's a difference between being judged by Michelin and being judged by um, the general public. Okay. And being judged by the general public is such a, a more important thing <laughs> because if, if I get, you know, one to three inspections a year, that's maybe 600 pounds that goes into the bank. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to run a business off that. <laughs> so it's, it's got to be like the whole experience for the general public and hopefully, and it's not the end of the world if it's not, but hopefully that runs in line with their expectations of, of what's good. But it's, it's first and foremost got to be what I, what I think as, as creative or stylistic content should exist in that restaurant at that time. Uh, and hopefully people enjoy it and they have been and they do. Um, and we just improve upon that and make it better and better and better and better and, and see how we go from there. Amazing. That sounds really good. Liam, probably anything, else, anything else you want no, to No, no, no. No, no. I, I, I tell you very quickly. You can answer this question very quickly. I watched one, of, I think you put a video on YouTube of, of like, I watched something where you're cooking for Valentine's Day and all of the ingredients are in like vacuum packed bags. So yeah. 
Have you, like, earlier in the week made a big vat of the sauce and then decanted it into separate bags? Is that how it works? Like, well, that was that was for delivery. Oh, so, so during lockdown? Yeah, right? so d- during lockdown, we, um, oh, we sent out... Oh, right, bags. I see. Oh, okay, so okay, okay, okay. That's more, um, that's more packaging than kind of how a restaurant works. If oh, I'm okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was um, strange when I was watching it. Yeah, no, there's, there's no... I mean, we do use vacuum seal bags and things like that. They're pretty good. Um, but we try and use fewer, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like... We've never been a particularly um, environmental-focused restaurant, but the older I get, the more you think, well, that's just a bit of a waste, isn't it? So, <laughs> um, yeah. so we've, we've now got enough people that we don't really ever need to seal anything other than things that are getting cooked in bags. Um, so yeah, a lot less, but during the, oh my word, during like kind of lockdown, we went through thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Got to do what you got to do, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It must be nice being back to having people in and getting back to what, what you have the passion for of doing, of serving people your very amazing food. Yeah. It's amazing, man. And it'll be, it'll be even better once, um, I don't want to say everyone's over it, but unfortunately it's not like restrictions aren't lifted completely either. There's no like back to normal button. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So there's still, there's still this issue of like, well, I mean, the fact that we're doing this over Zoom is one of them, I guess. Yes. Um, so there's, there's still an element of like kind of removal. Um, we could be doing this while I eat some sex wax. Pardon me? I said we could be doing this while I've got a dish of sex wax in front of me. <laughs> That's cool. that's a safeguarding issue right there (laughs) amazing well michael thank you very much for your time we really appreciate it it's really good to hear um yeah your your expert views on michelin star what it meant to you and how you achieved it and that you're striving to try and get the the second and third stars that's been amazing thank Thank you. you very much for your time thank you cheers bye thank you wow how interesting was that then lovely that was properly interesting, was it not? Really interesting, just to hear his views on what it meant to him, the pressure that he's obviously still striving for a second one, and how amazing he managed to get his first one within a year of opening the restaurant. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting, um, him saying the pressure isn't to keep one, but to get two, or to yeah. get three. Like, that's it's pretty, it's not something that I guess we thought, is it, really? Um, and also just the importance of, yeah, the guide is there and it's good, but your friends and your mates are maybe even more important in his eyes. Yeah, it makes sense because your friends have probably got the same likes and dislikes as you, don't they? So it's, it's if I like a restaurant, I can bet that you'll probably like it. Or, yeah. you know, so that word of mouth is much more important. Yeah, so I think we'll have to go up there then. We'll have to go and try some sex wax when we hit, what, 10,000 downloads. We'll make it our uh, celebration. Sounds good. All right. So, everybody, uh, let us know what you think about today's episode. Uh, hit us up on the socials at Two Guys One Topic. Give us a follow or a share or a like. That'd be great. Get out there and share some knowledge.